but they don't pull the trigger. The difference between the people who I see out there who are really accumulating real estate and, and creating real wealth for themselves, they're out there putting their neck on the line every day and they're taking action. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff with us today. Joe Evangelisti, how you doing, Joe? Fantastic, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's my pleasure and looking forward to catching up. Episode 351, you are on this show and typically with returning guests, we do a special segment, Situation Saturday or Skill Set Sunday, but it's been almost six years. So we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. August yep. 19th, 2015 was when the last interview published. Who knows when it was recorded? So we're going to do a regular episode because you have shifted your focus. And a little bit about Joe, and then we'll let you take it away. Joe is the CEO of three different companies, Legacy Developers which has a self-storage development focus, which will be mainly what we talk about during this conversation. Mammoth mm-hmm. Conversions, which focuses on digital marketing, and Hero Home Buyers, which is a wholesale company. He's been mm-hmm. investing for 15 plus years, both actively and passively, and he's focusing more on self-storage development with multiple Class A facilities breaking ground within the next few months, based in Haddonfield, New Jersey. So with that being said, Joe, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. Really, my background has been construction my whole life. I grew up in the construction trades. My dad was a general contractor, drywall contractor, turned home builder when I was in my teens. So I just went on a job site my entire life. I enjoy the construction aspect, building something, creating something out of nothing. It's always been in my blood and quickly... Just after high school, I went into the military for about six years. I was actually in the U.S. Navy Seabees, which are the construction battalions of the Navy. A lot of people don't even know they exist, but did construction for the Navy for six years. And pretty quickly after that, got out and, and started getting into single family. I call it my lucky timing because I got in in 2007 when the market was just getting ready to crumble. So we learned a lot of lessons, man. It taught us to pivot and figure out things and solve problems along the way. So it was a really good experience for me in single family. And we did that for about 10 or 12 years. And ultimately, we pivoted into self-storage development, which is what we do today. Okay. And who's we? Me and my business partner, Brian, do the self-storage development. He's basically been working for my dad since we graduated high school. So inevitably became my partner in the self-storage development thing. Me and him flipped about 1,000 houses in that 12 years before we took the shift over to self-storage and started doing this type of development. Okay. You... Flip? You say flip. Yeah. Are you talking about wholesaling or fixing and flipping? No, fix and flip rehabs. So um, fix and flip rehabs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for a so long you did time. Over a thousand of those. Correct. Between that and some wholesale inside of that, but most of those were rehabs. Where they physically taking down the product and renovate the property, put it back on the market. Wow. All right. Yeah. You did over a thousand of those. Are you currently doing them? No, right now we took what was essentially a marketing company, right? You're out there finding off-market seller deals. So really what we did is we just shifted it to wholesale. So we stopped doing the rehab portion. We just developed more relationships with investors in our area. And that's where Hero Home Buyers was kind of born. It just shifted into marketing only and doing contracts and, and getting paid for wholesale deals. I want to invest most of our time on self-storage, but just begs the question. You did it over a thousand times. You had a system. Yeah. And yeah. if you did it more than 
10 times, then you were probably doing something right. Otherwise, you would have just stopped doing it. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. why stop? I wanted something that was more systematic and effective and efficient. And that's what wholesale is. It's really clean. My entire team is virtual. Some of my guys are in Panama. I got guys all over North America. So it's a lot more easy to manage and effective. When we were doing the rehabs, I mean, we had 45, 50 in-house employees. We had hundreds of subs. We had projects spread out all over South Jersey. And logistically, it was a nightmare. It was really, really hard to keep up with. It was just putting out fires all day long. And that's just not the type of lifestyle and type of business that I wanted. I wanted something that was more scalable and that we could do with a more efficient and effective team and that we could do with a lot more zeros behind it. So there's a lot more upside to the self-storage development. I don't want to say it's easier to manage, but it's certainly more manageable than trying to flip 80 houses in different areas at the same time. All right. So let's talk about self-storage development. A lot of people, when they get into self-storage, they are a little more, the word conservative comes to mind, but perhaps it's not applicable, a little Mm -hmm. bit more conservative and they buy existing product, but Mm -hmm. you're developing. So why did you choose to go that route? And is it more conservative to do existing product in your opinion than develop? Oh, those are good questions. We chose the development, I think, partly because it was in our blood, partly because we're used to finding those off-market deals. So a lot of it is land that wasn't entitled properly yet. And so we're cleaning up if it needs a variance or it needs approvals or whatever that looks like. So by virtue of finding off-market land and converting it to self-storage or creating a self-storage out of it, we're able to do it a lot cheaper generally, and we're also able to design it the way we want it. So I think that for those two purposes, it makes the development side a little bit easier. The second piece of how we developed, Joe, is really big box conversion. So taking old Sears and old Kmart's development sites and turning them into self-storage sites. So I think that kind of our approaches create better opportunity for our team than maybe essentially buying value-add type deals. But that doesn't mean we're not going to buy value-add. I'm literally at a self-storage convention right now. We're talking about this conversation and we're talking about 20 to 40% of our overall inventory should turn out being turnkey value-add where we buy stuff and either has to be renovated it needs to be expanded or it needs new marketing plans to turn it into a, a class A facility. Mm-hmm. And you said 20 to 40%? Yeah, I think that's where it's going to start to head. We're six deals in right now. We have 10 in the pipeline and most of those are development sites. But essentially, I think we're going to start to really add value add as it goes and big box conversion. I like the conversion of the big box model because you're starting out with a solid building and really all you're doing is retrofitting storage units inside of it. So they go a little bit faster just a little bit more difficult to find those. Mm-hmm. Let's talk specifics about the deals that you have done within mm-hmm. self-storage. What was your first deal? And please tell us about it. First deal was actually in New Jersey. And the way we came about it was one of my local residential engineers. I had approached him and said, hey, do you have anything that's self-storage worthy? And he said, I have this site. It's actually approved for a senior care facility, but the senior care license the licensee that was getting ready to buy the land actually sold their license to a local hospital. So he said, this land is sitting here. It's approved for senior care. And I'm pretty sure I can get it converted to self-storage if we go to the proper chains. So that's what we did. And we assumed that it would take six months. It took probably 18 months to get full approvals. And then COVID hit towards the end and got us jammed up a little bit timing, but effectively we converted it. And at this point we're sitting here talking, we're moving dirt and doing site work and creating a facility out of it. But Took a little longer than expected. 
but we learned a lot along the way and really it's helped bolster the next deals after that. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. Realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget-to-actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. So that's the one that was the first. So do you have a stabilized facility right now? No, not at this moment. Like I said, I look at us as pure developers. And right now we have four sites under development, one under design and three or four more closing in the next month and a half. So it's all about finding great sites and putting them together. Okay. So you said you look at yourself as pure developers. So that leads me to believe that you're planning on selling prior to, or maybe right after stabilization or prior to during the lease up period. What's your business plan? No, we're going to hold a lot of them. But when I say we're pure developers, our plan is to turn them over to third-party nationwide management chains. So a lot of people don't realize, but the bigger chains out there, your cube smarts, your extra space, your life storage, these guys are primarily third-party managers. That's their plan. Their plan is to manage something, get it to stabilization, then effectively offer the owner a fair offer at some point and take over that property. So that's our plan. Put them in place and let them do what they do best because I don't really want to get into the management game. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I could also see how that could have a misalignment of interest if they are purchasers of property in addition to managers because – not that they would do this, but they could run your facility poorly or just not as good as it could be run and then purchase yeah. it at a discount relative to what it could have been purchased at if it was run optimally. Yeah, a lot of people think that, and I don't want to say it's like a scarcity mindset, but the reality of it is these guys are hyper-competitive and it's a hyper-competitive buyer's market right now too. So you're going to get analyzation from multiple different companies before you effectively sell it to them. And a lot of people will say, well, they already have their signage up. Why would somebody else want to buy it? We were having this conversation yesterday as well. For these big bucks, for these REITs, for these big chains, 
it's nothing for them to rebrand a site and turn it into the, their name. So with the hyper-competitive buyer market that we have right now, they're effectively trying to get the thing operating as best as they can so they can effectively buy it from us. Mm-hmm. And you said that you're in the process of moving dirt on the first facility and mm-hmm. you've learned a lot. What have you learned? <laughs> Good top, and bad, top, right? Top two or three things. One thing is that dealing with commercial contractors and professionals at this level is just so much nicer than <laughs> at the residential level. Negotiating contracts and dealing with real professionals and having the teams that we have in place with amazing engineer and design staff and things like that. We're building a real product, not that flipping single family houses isn't a real product. I did that for years, but this is a 100,000 square foot facility. This is a, a real commercial development site. So you get better reaction. You get better people jumping on to take charge and do things the right way, in my opinion. So this is a lot more professional environment would be my first takeaway. Okay. You said good and bad though. So uh, yeah, so I guess So on the bad side, it's a lot slower progress. You have to get patient, I guess I should say, because when you do a single family home, it's like you can call your subs and have people working tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. That doesn't work that way. You have to plan further out ahead. You have to have your ducks in the row. You have to have, like I said, the great staff that we have and the great teams that we have keeping these things organized. You got to be planning in advance. For example, we're dealing right now with commodities. We have to figure out where we're going to get the material, how we're going to build these things. And so our teams are doing a great job doing that, sourcing them sometimes six, 10 months in advance. So there's a lot of ways you have to pivot. There's a lot of ways you have to learn, but we're just out here solving problems. What's the most recent problem you've solved on that job? Steel. Right now, it's steel. We just negotiated an amazing contract. And the steel guys might not actually be starting for eight or nine more months, but we just got a great locked-in price and we got it contracted. And so solving these cost issues right now is probably one of the biggest challenges. Mm-hmm. Because costs have skyrocketed across the board. <laughs> They're all over the place. You know, people are kind of guesstimate where they're going to be in nine months. But Mm -hmm. for us, it's we have a budget. It's about coming in under budget. And effectively, we've done that so far. We've signed 99% of the proposals for the entire project, and it's not even out of the ground yet. How did you find the contact to lock in the steel price? Through our chief development officer. Our chief development officer has been in the business and self-storage. I think he's got something like a couple hundred facilities under his belt as far as construction. And we got great nationwide contractors and, and contacts to bid these things out. And like I said, I think we put together a pretty amazing team and these are super experienced people building these things, but also locking in great prices and and knowing that we're going to be able to take them along for the ride and they're going to go from this site to that site to the next one and be be able to do business with us. It was a single care facility and did you just tear it down or are you converting it? I imagine you're converting it. No, it was approved for a senior care use. sorry. Okay. Um, So it was just dirt, but it was approved for single care use, but you got an approval to change what it was zoned for. Correct. But like I said, it was a lot more arduous than we expected during the process. But yeah, effectively, (laughs) yeah, 18 months when we probably could have got it done in six if it was different times and different preparation, but it worked and Mm -hmm. it came through and we're super happy about it. Let's talk about the preparation part. So Mm -hmm. on future developments, Mm -hmm. what did you do to prepare differently than you did on the first one? That's a great question. I think they're all case by case, Joe. For our New York site, it's a 21-acre freestanding 100,000 square foot Kmart and abandoned, obviously, darkened Kmart. It's been abandoned for years, but that site is a little bit different, right? We're going to do 50,000 square foot of climate control. We're going to add about 40,000 square foot of garages outside. We're going to end up with a couple retail properties that could be storefronts or manufacturing. And then we ended up with two pad sites, which is cool. So those will be triple net lease pad sites. 
One of those sites we started out with, our general contractor who's doing the work up there wants to put his showroom there. So that's a little bit more multifaceted type of facility rather than just a straight storage. So I think every site has its own tweaks and ways that we have to figure out how to maximize the value. That makes sense. Just going back to the first project, if you had a crystal ball prior to the initial period where you put it under contract, what would you have done differently from a preparation standpoint that you didn't do? Well, that's a good one. I'm not sure that I would change a whole lot. I think that it's just about finding the right people. I think that early on, we had some different engineers and some different professionals that really weren't set up for the job and started out and then we had to switch. And so I think knowing what I know now, it would be going directly to the right people. But of course, we were just getting our feet wet, right? We were just learning and giving different people opportunity. So now we've really keyed in, I believe, on the correct team the correct engineers, the correct designers and things like that that can help us expedite that process. That's really interesting. So as far as the engineers and designers, let's go back in time. Let's say you're talking to those wrong ones that you picked initially. Yeah. What questions would you ask them that would disqualify them at that time? I think I'd want to know effectively how busy they are and what their capacity is to do different work. Because like I said, the couple that we hired at the beginning were a little bit slower because they were biting off more than they could chew. What's their background and how many self-storages have they designed or done? Things like that. We had a lot of utility type things we had to get around in the first site. We're moving a water line 800 feet down the street. So we're doing a lot of civil making sure you had a really connected civil engineer. Civil is one of the few that we want to use locally because we want them to know the zoning officer. We want them to know the construction office. We want them to be able to get these approvals across. In this first job, we had to get county and local approval. So the coordination of all that, making sure that your engineers are really connected to those type of people or they have experience in it. When we settled on our MEP engineer, I think he said something to me like, this was his 197th variance he'd gotten in that township or something like that. You know what I mean? So Sold. it's like, okay, man, you got the experience, you got the grit. I know you obviously know somebody in here. So rather than, let's say, if you brought somebody from out of town or out of state that had no clue, I think it's making sure that your teams are really juiced in locally and they understand the rules and regulations to go by. That's great. I'm glad you talked about that. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Six months to 18 months. You planned Mm -hmm. it to be six, but it wasn't. It was 18 months. What happened that you didn't plan for? And I'm not calling you out, by the way. I'm asking this just to learn. So I'm glad you're picking up on that. (laughs) I noticed when I said the question, I was like, man, I sound like a prick, but (laughs) I'm just trying to learn. You you can't offend me. I think that one of the things that was really key on that first deal was the learning. Not that we're never going to be delayed again, but I don't think that we'll ever have some of those issues again, because of poor choice of staffing and things like that. But really, and I hate to use this excuse, but really what smacked us across the face was COVID. We were at the finish line when COVID started and basically got extended two months for the next meeting in that town and that type of variance. And we had to seek approval five or six times. We had to go in front of that board to update things and show them new drawings and get a meeting with the engineering team. So what happened was things that normally you could have got a meeting next Thursday, they were like, oh, we're not doing meetings until June. So we had certain things ready to go where we probably could have broke ground, like I said, nine months earlier. But a lot of it, unfortunately, was with the townships just putting their hands up in the air and saying, COVID, we're not working. So I don't think it was a lot effectively a fault of our team. I think it was more just the circumstance. Let's talk about numbers on this self-storage. So on the first deal, what are the numbers? Ballpark numbers, we want to be in the deal somewhere between 50 and 60 cents on the dollar. And I believe the first site were at like 52 cents on the dollar. So our build cost is just under 10 million. 
all in with land and development. And we're actually looking for the site to be worth 19 or 20 million when it's done. Got it. And when it's done, meaning stabilize with stabilized. 90% or so occupancy, somewhere around there? Correct. Once we have it stabilized, once we have it full, we get it reevaluated, get it reappraised. And of course, go for long-term financing, refinance out our construction loan. Our goal at that point, I think we have a five and a half or six cap on the stabilization rate is to be at the 19, 20 million. And the funny part about these sites, I wouldn't say funny, it's just the market right now is, you know, some of these sites are trading at three and a half, four and a half caps. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. absolutely incredible what the big guys are doing to buy up inventory right now. And how big of a facility will it be once it's developed? Our goal is to be anywhere between 80 and 100,000 square foot net rentable. So I actually think that this first site is 102,000 square feet or something like that. But we want to be in that size category because it's really, again, where the big boys are buying. Okay. And I'm not in this space. Educate me ballpark about how many self-storage units is that? Yeah, it's a funny question. And the reason I say it's it funny depends is because how big it they totally are. depends on right. the area. Yeah. The multifamily guys always want to talk about how many doors they have. Yeah. We, talk about, we talk about square footage. <laughs> so I think we have something like 800 units. But effectively, you could have 2,000 units if you made them all five by five. So it's more of a square footage thing that we go by. Fair enough. Makes sense. All right. Well, with this property, how long will it take from the time, and I get that a six to 18 month thing happened, Mm -hmm. but from the time you initially put the land under contract to when you're projecting to have that $19 million valuation? It should still be about three and a half years. Normally, it would be under three because of the extension, we're going to be about three and a half. But like I said, we're moving dirt right now and we have a 13 month build schedule. And we actually think we could probably beat that just based on who we're talking to and, and in alignment with our subs, things like that. So this time next year, we should be CO'd and starting to fill it up. You have investors on this? Yeah, we do syndicated deals. How'd you structure it? So our structure is actually a 70-30 split the other way. So we retain 70% equity. We give out 30% equity to LP investors. And with that one, I think it was $100,000 shares and we did 30 shares. Okay. No preferred return? Of course. There's a pref. I think the pref on that deal was 10%. And then of course they have equity in perpetuity. So they're getting 1% interest in, in their investment for perpetuity. So when they get their pref, when we do our refinance, they get a bump at that level. They get all their money back. Plus they get refinance proceeds, which are tax-free as you know. And then from that point in perpetuity, they get cash flow. And then eventually a sell-off. So they'll have another bump come with the sell-off. What was it like from an investor relations standpoint around month 16? How did you navigate that since there were significant delays? Our investors have been amazing on this thing. First of all, we didn't raise all of the money up front. We raised what we needed to buy the land and and start doing design. So Mm. I think we finalized the fund last month, honestly. We didn't want the rest of that money or capital sitting around until we needed it. But they've been amazing. I think that a lot of people have to deal with these type of issues when stuff like COVID hits. And again, I don't like using it as an excuse, but I think people understand. I think people realize that, hey, we're doing our best and we're going to do our best to get these deals done. I don't see us having these type of delays short of a different COVID outbreak. I don't think these type of delays happen again. I think it's something that we learn to navigate and we learn to get more effective and efficient with. All right. Taking a step back, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I should know you were going to ask me that question. (laughs) I think it's take action. I've been coaching just like you, Joe, for years. And I think what happens is that you have so many folks that just don't take the first step. They just don't take action. They learn, they grow, they listen, they do podcasts, they go to mastermind events, they go to speaking engagements, right? But they don't pull the trigger. 
the difference between the people who I see out there who are really accumulating real estate and, and creating real wealth for themselves. They're out there putting their neck on the line every day and they're taking action. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. All right. First quick word from our partners. Do you manage your own rental properties? If you do, or if you're about to, I want to tell you about RentReady because I'm guessing they have some services that you wish you had. RentReady is a property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. With RentReady, you're able to collect rent online and get paid, find the perfect tenant with the built-in screening and listing service, and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using RentReady's app too. They can pay rent using the card, ACH, cash. They can set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it. And they can even build their credit score through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. And the best part, RentReady is unlimited. That's right. All of this is flat priced. There's no tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for investors who manage their own properties so that you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the best ever listeners. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks at rentready.com when you use our special code BESTEVER. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with the code B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R at rentready.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks. Did you know that credit checks miss 85% of the information landlords and property managers need to verify new tenants? That's a problem. The solution is Rentify. Rentify provides a platform that allows you to instantly access prospective tenants' financial information and compiles it all into a quick and easy-to-read report to help you select the highest quality tenants. You can access income, payroll, past rent payments, non-sufficient funds, and overdraft history all in one place. Rentify's reports instantly verify the full financial picture of the tenant, so there's no chance of being duped with false information. No one likes to be duped. And the best part is that you can have it all at your fingertips in as little as five minutes. Go check out Rentify at TrustRentify.com and stop wasting time and start fast-tracking the tenant screening process with confidence and ease. With Rentify, you'll no longer have to waste hours or even days collecting all the information you need to verify a tenant, which makes life easier for you and your applicants. Visit TrustRentify.com and use the promo code FAIRLESS for 25% off your first purchase. That's T-R-U-S-T-R-E-N-T-I-F-Y dot com and put in the promo code FAIRLESS. That's my last name, F-A-I-R-L-E-S-S, for 25% off your first purchase. What deal over the course of 15 plus years have you lost the most amount of money on? Single family, new construction. I built a house that we didn't have any business building that cost us way too much to build. And it was a weird market at that time. So it was a $1.5 million house. We ended up selling for 1.3. That's probably worth 1.9 right now. And so <laughs> we took a bath on that one. What's the best ever way you like to give back to the community? I'm huge into veterans charities. I'm a veteran. I serve myself. And I think that we have a huge responsibility to take care of those that protect our freedoms and go out there and put their neck on the line all day. So I have my own foundation. It's called the Addison Quinn Foundation where we raise money just to find great charities to give the money to and create that opportunity.
how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Elevatewithjoe.com is basically our website for what I do, what I get involved in, my coaching stuff, as well as get in touch with us for the development side. Well, first off, thank you for doing what you did when you were in the military. And thank you to all of your colleagues who are currently serving. I wholeheartedly embrace your philosophy that you just mentioned regarding veterans. And thank you for being on the show again. Thank you for sharing in detail the information on the first development, lessons learned, and why you're focused on self-storage development and really getting into the specifics from an investor relations standpoint, from a mechanics of the deal, from challenges of how to pick the right team members and how to pick the wrong team members and what to do. You fire them <laughs> when you pick the wrong ones. Yeah, right. So thank you for all that and hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, appreciate it, Joe. Thanks again for having me on.